Alrighty, good morning, Grace family. My name is Ben. I'm one of the pastors here. If you are new with us, a special welcome to you. Uh, it is good to be with you. We are in the midst of a, a series on foundations where we've been walking through foundations of our faith. And as I was preparing for this message, I was thinking about foundations because my family just moved into a new home in May. And we, as you know, friends and uh, other family, have come over. My wife really likes giving tours, and our family likes really giving tours of our home. And so we show them our home, and we show them the living room, and we show them the furniture, and we show them the bedrooms upstairs, and we show them the, the, the wallpaper and the, uh, the colors that we painted. We show them all around the house. You know the one thing we don't show them? The foundation. Like, I don't tour them around the house and take them downstairs and show them, look how good a foundation this place is, right? This place has. And yet... Without that, the carpet and the window dressings and the bedrooms and the furniture, they don't have a good foundation. They're all in trouble, right? They're all in trouble. So that's why we felt led as pastors to go into this series called Foundations because the things that we're talking about this week, you're going to hear talked about every single week at Grace, about who God is, what he's done for us, his grace for us. Yes, and if we don't specifically go down the steps sometimes and look at, like, what are we built on together? Uh, we got to inspect a little more closer. we got to make sure that that's a solid and firm foundation. So that's why we have the what we believe statements that's uh, on our website. We still have printouts out there in the lobby as well as doctrinal creed to say this is what we believe. This is our foundation together. And that's why we've been going through some of these foundational truths to our faith. And so we've gone through God's person as you've been with us, uh, God's creation, God's word, God grace, God's grace, and today God's spirit. And, and here's what I want to tell you right up front about God's Spirit. It is, He is, let me correct that. We'll talk about that. He is essential. He is absolutely essential to our lives and everything we do. Because here's what, what can happen is we can come into these seats and sit down, and it feels nice, right? It's kind of like you're in a classroom and I'm a teacher or something. I need a chalkboard up here. And like, we're used to this. This is education. How are we going to learn more about God? All right, we're going to sit down and we're going to learn more about God because we're good evangelicals. We like our word. Study our word. How am I going to learn about God? I'm going to study the word. I was studying the word this week about the Holy Spirit, preparing for this. I, re I read, this is going to sound impressive, it's not really. Um, you can do this in like an hour. I, I read every, every scripture in the New Testament that had to do with the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit was mentioned. Every scripture. To see like, Lord, what do you do? What do what is it about your spirit that you want us to know? And I did that, and I got to the end of it, and I was astounded by some things, and I was just flabbergasted by other things, and I was just at the end of myself, honestly, which is a good place to be when you're listening to who God is. And I, and I was struggling. I was like, what do I say about all this? Like, how could I possibly have anything to say about the mystery and the wonder of the Holy Spirit of God? And God finally knocked me on the head a little bit and said, you're trying to figure me out again. That's what we do, right? Western evangelicals, we like to, we think we got to study the word and figure God out. And, and studying the word is a really good thing. But let me tell you something, the Holy Spirit is essential. Without the, the study is fruitless. Without that, the study is fruitless. Listen to this verse. This is uh, 1 Corinthians 2.11. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. No, what, does, what it doesn't say. It doesn't say no one knows the thoughts of God except the one who studies the Bible really hard. No one knows the thoughts of God except the one who prays right. The one who raises their hand in worship. The one who spends 45 minutes a day in quiet, it doesn't say any of that. No one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Studying the Bible, quiet time, prayer, all good things, but without the Spirit. Fruitless, because the Spirit is essential. I was prepping this, and I was trying to figure God out, and God says, you're an infant. face of a holy God, we're all infants. We think we know God. We don't know anything yet compared to who he is. We think we can figure him out. It says in 
1 Corinthians 12, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. If you are in a relationship with Jesus Christ, and I pray that you are, for you to actually come into a relationship with Jesus Christ and claim Jesus as Savior and Lord, to call him Savior and Lord authentically in your heart, that took a move of the Spirit. You couldn't even do that on your own. God was knocking me on the head and said, foolish fellow. Having begun by the Spirit, will you now continue in the flesh? (laughs) You're going to try to figure me out? You don't figure me out. The Spirit is essential, not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord Almighty. So listen, what we're about to do is open God's Word to to seek to learn something more about him, to hear from him, to, to apply it to our lives that we might live out and look more like Jesus Christ in our lives. But it doesn't happen by might. It doesn't happen by power. It doesn't happen by our intelligence. It doesn't happen by my charisma. Thank God. (laughs) It doesn't happen by eloquence. It doesn't happen by vulnerability. It doesn't happen by humor. It doesn't happen by communication skills. It doesn't happen by emotional intelligence. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So we're going to open this word in a minute. First, we're going to pray for the spirit because we need him. And I'm going to ask if somebody else would be willing to do that, not me. Is there somebody in here who would be willing to pray for the spirit of God to move because we need him to? Thanks, brother. Father God, we thank you, Lord for moving in this place. Father, your word says that it will not come back to you null and void. And we welcome your spirit here, your holy and dwelling spirit within us. Please, God, open our hearts, open our minds to hear you and feel you, experience you, and then leave this place with your intentions in mind, not our own fleshly desires. May your spirit fill us this place, impart to us your perfect wisdom through your word, for your word is absolute truth. We love you, praise you, we welcome you here in this place, Holy Spirit. Move us, Lord. Encourage us to go forth and live out our lives with truth and conviction, humility. We praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, brother. Without him, it's fruitless. Oh, but with him. <laughs> He's here. He's moving. Are we listening? So, uh, 1995, I was in 11th grade. <laughs> you're laughing. Why are you laughing? <laughs> means I can't say the next phrase I'm going to say because you're going to feel bad. No, I'm going <laughs> to. It's actually a little bit more serious thing happened in 11th grade. My, um, uh, I was living in Pittsburgh as a group in Pittsburgh, and, and my grandmother lived across town, and my grandmother had been fighting a three, four year battle with cancer. And I got picked up, my dad picked me up from school one day, uh, which I didn't expect. And he said, your grandma passed away. And uh, this was, <laughs> she lived like 15 minutes away from us. We were really close. She, oh gosh, she was an amazing woman. She was funny. She had this lemon tree, and we always made fun of it. And so because we made fun of it, she started giving us lemons. Like I'd open my birthday gifts, and there would be lemons inside. <laughs> she was awesome. And I learned so much from her. Um, her verse, like, as she was going through her battle with cancer, her, the, the verse she grabbed onto is from Psalms. It says, the Lord will perfect that which concerns me. She held onto that like a rock. Let me see what that really means. And so then I was like a kid of 17 years old, and she passed away, and I didn't know how to deal with it. I'm like... You know, 17 years old, trying to figure out what it means to be a man, right, all macho, and like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to grieve. 
He's the first person in my family that's been that close to me that passed away, and I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know what to do with all these feelings I was feeling. I didn't know what to do with the numbness that I was sometimes, why am I not feeling more? And, you know, so I, I started just having imaginary conversations with my grandmother. And, you know, just talking to her, saying the things I wish I would have said. And, you know, because I kind of hoped there was a way that she was still with me. And I hoped there was a way that, um, you know, I knew her. She was still walking alongside me. And I, I, know, I know how she cares about me. Like, how meaningful would it be to have somebody like that close to walk alongside you? And now... And now she's somewhere else, but it's like part of this spiritual world which we don't fully, we're told about, but we don't fully understand. And so now she maybe knows more than I do about this, so maybe she can maybe even help me out once in a while. So I started to do that, and that, was, that wasn't a bad thing necessarily. That was a way to cope with the grief I was experiencing. You know, I've done like, I don't know. Eight, ten funerals, I'm not sure how many funerals in the last six years. Every single time, Christians or non-Christians, I've heard family and friends, every single time we hold on to this idea that, oh, maybe they're still here, still walking with us. We know them and we trust them and maybe they can even help us out a little bit and we hold on to this. And, and here, here's the fact about this, and I don't want to be insensitive, but if we back up from that idea, if we kind of kind of separate ourselves from the emotion and the grief that we can experience at the loss of a loved one, you know, we don't actually know what that looks like. Scripture, scripture doesn't tell us that they're still walking with us. It, it says that there, there will be no more tears on the other side of this life. So I don't know what those who passed on can see, but I know there's definitely some stuff they can't see because they'd be weeping. We're not told any of that. In fact, some people can hold on to this so much. Like here I am over 20 years later, I don't have those conversations with my grandma anymore. I pray prayers once in a while. I kind of imagine it like a message in a bottle. Like, Lord, pass this one on. <laughs> I'll see grandma again someday. So help me to remind me to say this to her. But wouldn't it be sad if I was still dependent on that? And yet there's people that are. Like, like, we hold on to that hope, like maybe we could talk to a loved one that passed on. You know what Isaiah says in chapter 8? It says, when men tell you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, that's, that's what they would do. They would like, kind of follow this sentiment and try to talk to the people who have passed on. When, it, when men tell you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? So like if we step away from the emotion, what good would it do to, for me be, to be able to talk to grandma? Like she's dead. Should not have people inquire their God. So John chapter 14. 14 through 16 is called Jesus' final discourse. And you read through it, and I mean, like, we know what's coming, and so we kind of read this with hope and joy and life and all, all the red-letter phrases through three chapters. We read it, and we know what's coming. But if you actually just sit down and take in the words, I, I encourage you to go read John 14 through 16. Again, might as well go through 17, through Jesus' prayer again. It's called the final discourse for a reason. You actually read what Jesus is saying, and it feels really final. Like, he, he's saying, I, I'm going. He's saying, you see me right now, but you're not, you're not going to see me much longer. Like, if this wasn't Jesus talking, this conversation might, might as well be happening from a cancer ward. Like, the end is here. He says, you see me, but in a little while, little while you're not going to see me anymore. I, I'm going away, and you're going to have sorrow and grief. He's saying the end is here. And you can imagine the pain and confusion and hurt on the disciples. And, and you can hear it in their questions. They're saying, Jesus, you're saying we know the way? We don't, we don't even know where you're going. How do we know the way? What, what do you mean in a little while we won't see you? I don't, I don't understand what you're talking about. All, the, all laced through this conversation is their confusion and their hurt and their grief. And if that was all Jesus would have, have to say in that, can you imagine how tragic that is? Like, 
Like this is the disciples' biggest fear coming to pass. He's gone. No more teaching, walking with them, no more guidance, no more discipleship, no more relationship, none of it. That was all Jesus had to say. It's a tragedy. But then in the midst of all of that, he speaks this. In John chapter 14, he says, If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Do you hear that? I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And so, so they're experiencing this grief as Jesus says, I'm going away. But he says, I'm not going to leave you alone. He says, I'm going to leave you an advocate. You know what that means? That word advocate, it means one who walks alongside. I'm going to have someone to walk with you through everything. You're not going to be alone. And, and, and that is not just going to be some faceless person, somebody that you don't know. It is actually going to be me. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Jesus, you mean the, tr- the teacher, the guide, the rabbi that we have trusted? You're, you're not going to leave us alone. You are actually going to come and walk with us. He says later, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Not just with them. Not just walking alongside them, but he'll actually speak to them, actually teach them, actually remind them of everything Jesus said. Give them peace and take away their fear. He would do all this. He says this, all this I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. See, this was such good news for them. Even though he was going away, even though they were getting ready to experience a funeral, he was not going to leave them alone. And in fact, Jesus goes further than that. He says, it's not just good I'm going away. It's necessary. He says, I tell you the truth. It is better for you that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But I go But if I go, I will send him to you. Listen, we already run over this. The Holy Spirit is essential. This is what he's saying. It is necessary, Jesus says, for me to go away so that I can be with you. That doesn't make sense, except in the kingdom of God. See, when Jesus walked this earth, he was with his 12 disciples on and off, except when he went off with his father on and off, except when he went away to do his own thing and sent them out traveling and preaching. But now he says it's necessary that I go away so that what? So that I am with you. The Holy Spirit is essential. He said you are going to need this for the rest of your lives. You are going to need me. And so I am going to go away so that I might come through the person of the Spirit. Here's the other thing we've got to pick up from this. The Holy Spirit is a person. If you were here a few weeks ago when we were talking about who God is, I referenced this survey of people who would name, call themselves evangelical Christians. And in that survey, 60% of evangelical Christians somewhat or strongly agreed that the Holy Spirit is a force and not a personal being. Sounds like we're getting our theology more from Star Wars than, than from Scripture, right? This isn't some... We, we said back in that day, the Trinity is one God in three persons, Father, Son, and the light side. No, it's, it's not. It's the persons of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three persons, one God. I don't understand it any more than I did a few weeks ago. But he has a personality. He's personal. That's why we're told to have fellowship with the Spirit. We're told to listen to the Spirit. We're told the Spirit has emotions and desires and will. We're told the Spirit loves and hears and speaks and desires and grieves. This is not an impersonal force. 
When we ask the Holy Spirit to come, we are not asking for an emotional high to visit us. The Spirit is not an emotional high. The Spirit is a person. The Spirit is not courage. The Spirit is not enthusiasm. The Spirit is not a personification of love, joy, and peace. The Spirit is not a something. The Spirit is a someone. That means when Scripture tells us we are led by the Spirit and to walk by the Spirit, it's not, the Scripture is not telling us to tap in to some source. Scripture is calling us to have a relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit interacting in the context of relationship. So the Spirit is a person, and the Holy Spirit is God. So Jesus said to his disciples, I and my Father will come and make our home in you, and that's fulfilled in the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is God. And Scripture makes clear he has all the attributes of God. The Holy Spirit is creator, eternal, omnipresent, omnipotent, all-knowing. The Scripture calls the Holy Spirit Lord. The Holy Spirit is not an angel. It's not a genie. It is God himself. Now, here's the thing. This wasn't just for the disciples. It's for us, too. It, it wasn't just for the disciples. It's for us, too. Do you see here it is? This is the hope that we've longed for. When we, that, that sentiment that we feel when somebody... When, when we lose a loved one and we just wish that they would still be with us, we wish that they would walk along with us, that, that they knew more and could guide us and maybe help us a little bit along the way. Do you know that sentiment isn't necessarily a bad thing? It's just misdirected. We're, we're actually encouraged. We, we actually need that. We're actually told to seek that out. Just not from our dead relatives, from God himself. So think about this. Think about this God that we have been talking about in these weeks. God with us. It's this. The Holy Spirit is the holy, loving, eternal God. Remember, we, did, we talked about the first week, who God is. That God, holy, loving, eternal, the good news, all-powerful God, closer than the air you breathe. The creator God, the one who made everything we see by the power of his word. All things were made for him and through him and by him. And in him he holds all things together. He holds the universe in the palm of his hand and yet he dwells in us. Are you letting this sink in? God is the word. He is the God of the word who spoke his word to us because he was a God who longs to be known by us, who wants to be known by us, and so communicates. And he spoke his word to us. He is the God of this word. And then the word became flesh and dwelt among us and didn't stop there. Now just not dwells among us, but in us. And the God we talked about last week, the God who gives grace, unmerited, unconditional favor, grace. That God dwelling in every follower of Christ. This is not just for the disciples. This is not just their friend who passed away who can still be with them. This is our Jesus, our Savior, our Lord dwelling in every believer in Christ. Do you know, this is how vital this is. It says in it says this in Galatians. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. This is why Jesus died. You know why? We, we could spout off some reasons to pay our sin debt, to redeem us from the curse of the law. Yes, absolutely. Why did he do all that? Here, let me, let me give you another reason. Became a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hung on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Listen to me. Another reason Jesus Christ died is so that the Spirit would dwell in us. Think, think we better sit up and pay attention to the Spirit? think we better recognize that the Spirit is a person, is God himself, and is essential to every part of our lives? 
And he comes into every believer the moment of conversion. This is when it starts. Peter, Acts chapter 2, when Pentecost happened, Peter says to the entire crowd, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's it. Call him Savior and Lord. This is a promise for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. This spirit, this spirit is the fulfillment of Emmanuel, this fulfillment of God with us, and it is for all believers that he, that God himself would come and make his home in us. This is the spirit of God if you are in Christ and he is in you. Man, I, I love my grandma. But isn't this so much better? Like, isn't this so much better? This creator God, this good news God, this God of the word who is the word, this God who gives grace, unmerited favor that we don't deserve, dwelling in us. This is so much better. Do we recognize it? You recognize it. Denny, would you, would you want to pray for us? Would you want to pray that we, we just recognize a little bit more? Am I, am I putting you on the spot, brother? <laughs> I am, but you're allowed to say no. Would you, would you pray that the Lord would just awaken us more to this, his spirit in, our, in us? Heavenly Father, we thank you for hearing our prayer. We ask humbly that your spirit would awaken us now and throughout the rest of our life until we see you once again. And we thank you in the name of Jesus the Christ, in the name of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. This is the spirit of God in us. So I don't know about you, but like if that's true, man, why don't, why don't I experience that more? Why don't I feel that more? Why isn't every day Pentecost? The Spirit of God falling, the wind blowing, like. If this is actually true, the Spirit of the living God dwells in us, shouldn't our lives be dramatically different than everybody around us? Like, if this is the gift, the indwelling power of God within us, shouldn't it be evident in a way that's impossible for anyone without the Spirit to live? It should. So, so what does the Spirit do? Like we, we focus on these gifts. We focus on the, these ways that the Spirit manifests. And we wonder why God isn't showing up in these specific ways. And I just want to back up for a minute because one thing that struck me, as I, look at, as I stepped back and just, just listened to the New Testament talk about the Spirit of God, to all of Scripture talk about the Spirit of God, it, it doesn't focus a whole lot of emphasis on some of these things that tend to narrow our focus, specific gifts or things like that. We step back and it tells us what the Spirit does. And sometimes he does it through these gifts, but it tells us what the Spirit does. Jesus said, when I go away, I'm going to send you another advocate, one to walk with you. When he said another, he didn't mean a different kind. That word another, it actually means I'm going to send you another of the same kind. Uh, of the same kind as Jesus. So that what Jesus did for his disciples, Jesus says the Spirit is now going to do for you. He's going to remind you of everything I said. He's going to speak to you. He's going to speak through you. He's going to do all, all this. And, and that word advocate, it, it means one who walks with us, but it means more than that. It's sometimes translated, depending on the translation you look in, there's two main ways it's translated in, in, in our translation. It's, it's counselor and comforter. Counselor and comforter. So, so if the Spirit of God is actually dwelling in us, that our lives look dramatically different, what will the Spirit do in our lives? Well, he will counsel us because the Holy Spirit is our, is our counselor to teach, to speak through us, and to lead us. So the Holy Spirit is our counselor. He teaches us. This is what Jesus said in John 16, so later in that same message, 
to his disciples in that same conversation, he said this, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Do you, do you hear what Jesus is saying? I have more to say to you, but you're not going to hear it right now. I'm going to say it to you later through the spirit of the living God. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. This is what the Spirit will do. He will teach us. All the things that Christ didn't have time to tell us in his earthly life, all the things that he couldn't, we couldn't bear at that time, he was going to tell us later through the Spirit. Part of the fulfillment of that we're holding in our hands. This last third of our Bible that's the fulfillment, one of the fulfillments of that. Jesus had all things, all these things to continue to say. And he said it to the disciples later through his spirit and to us through his word. And the spirit is still teaching us. He's still teaching us. We, we cannot understand this word except by the spirit of God. We cannot know him except by the spirit of God. John tells us that the Spirit continues to testify of Christ. So the Spirit continues to teach us. Is the Spirit teaching you? If you're being taught at all, it's the Spirit who is teaching you truth. The Spirit teaches. The Spirit speaks through us. This is what Jesus said in another place. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Scripture, more than anything else, says the Spirit does one thing more than anything else. You know what it is? Speaks. And so many times when it talks about the Spirit speaking, it's actually talking about some, the Spirit speaking through somebody else, through the believers in time of need, through David and Isaac and the prophets. Scripture tells us that the Spirit spoke through them. Peter and the apostles, Acts 2, Pentecost, Spirit fell, and what? The Spirit speaks. And we get hung up sometimes. We focus so much on how he spoke to them, right? Spoke through tongues. What does that mean? Is he going to do it again? When does he do it again? And we focus on, do you know what? How, how much of Acts 2 is focused on how the Spirit spoke through them? Like six verses. And then it spends 26 verses telling us what the Spirit said through them. And it called, it, it, it culminated in this. Let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. The Spirit is still speaking to us of Jesus Christ. Are we listening? The Spirit is teaching us. The Spirit is speaking through us. And the Spirit leads us. The Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness, Simeon into the temple, the Spirit, listen to this, the Spirit kept Paul from, Paul was planning to go, preach in Asia in a couple different places. He was planning to preach the gospel. That's a good thing, right? The Spirit kept him, prevented him, it says, from going there. That's how much Paul was led by the Spirit, is that in some way and somehow the Spirit communicated, don't go there, don't cross that border, go somewhere else. He must have thought, but I'm going to preach the gospel. The Spirit said, I'm leading you somewhere else. The Spirit leads us. The same Spirit led, that led Paul like that, it's the same Spirit that is to lead us today. Galatians 5 says, So walk by the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. So let me ask you a question. The Holy Spirit is our counselor. To teach us, to speak through us, and to lead us. Do we need him? Okay, and I, don't answer too quick. Like, I know it's church, and so, yeah, of course we need them. That's why I'm here. That's why I showed up. The alarm went off because I need them. Yeah, I need them. Carl Barth said this, when we are at our wit's end for an answer, then the Holy Spirit can give us an answer. Then he can teach us. Then he can speak. Then he can lead us. When we are at our wit's end for an answer, then the Holy Spirit can give us an answer. But how can he give us an answer when we are still well supplied with all sorts of answers on our own? 
And so I had to ask myself this, this week, and I asked you the same question. Why don't I experience the, the Spirit as counselor in this way, in a dramatic way, in the way they did in here? Why don't I answer, why don't I experience the counselor in this way? Is it because I actually don't need him? I mean, I say I need him, but do I really need him? Am I living my life like, like I actually need the Spirit? You know what, Rachel and I were talking about this past week? Because, we, uh, man, our life got full again. We have so many things going on. Like so much. To fit. We're running the kids one way or another for sports or instrument lessons. I've got meetings. She's got appointments. We've got homeschooling. We've got thing after thing after thing. And our schedule is so packed. What do I need the Spirit for? I've got my schedule. I know tomorrow what I'm doing. I know the next day what I'm doing. And I mean, we're supposed to be planned, right? Plan out. Know what's happening in our lives. Have a plan down the road. And so most of us, you ask us, yeah, we've got a plan for one year, five years, ten years, down the road, retirement. We've got a plan for all of it. Are we planned so much that we actually don't need the Spirit? Is our life so full that if the Spirit were actually to speak and guide me, I would say, gosh, I'm sorry, I wouldn't have time. If that was my missionary journey, I would have had hotels booked in Asia. I wouldn't have given the Spirit a chance to say go somewhere else. But what about my hotel booking? I, I, I'm so planned. I, I, I've got to have a schedule. I've got to be on task. My budget is so... My, I've, got to, I've got to plan to, to the last dollar, to the last cent. I've got my budget planned. Is there room for the Spirit to say Give. You want me to do something else with my money? Oof. But I, I've, already got a, I've already got a plan. Thanks, Spirit, but I don't, I don't need to know what I, to do with my money because I've, I've got it all structured. See? Spreadsheets and everything. I wonder if we took an honest look in the mirror and an honest look at our lives, could our lives answer that we need the Spirit of the living God. If you long for him to teach you, stop supplying the answers for yourself. Go to his book. If you long for him to speak through you, stop. you know what I had to do this week? I had to stop planning a message. I had to stop typing. If I want the spirit to speak, let me put it aside for a minute and let him speak. Stop being so planned out that I know every word I'm going to say because then what room does the Spirit have to speak through me? The Holy Spirit is our counselor to teach and speak through us and lead us. Do we need him? Would somebody be willing to pray? Somebody be willing to pray that we need for our need for the Spirit, that we would recognize Him as our counselor and that we would need Him. That we would live like we actually need Him. Anybody? Thank you, sister. Holy Spirit, thank you so much for being present. Thank you for knowing each and every one of us individually. You see every moment. You're with us every moment. You watch every moment. Please minister us in those moments. Help us to hear you. Help us to slow down. Tell us when to shut up. <laughs> we trust you. Yes. We trust you wholeheartedly. Thank you for understanding our limitations, and our finite brokenness. Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Thank you, sister. The Holy Spirit is our counselor. And he's also our comforter. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. Here's some specific ways Scripture talks about repeatedly that the Holy Spirit comforts us. One, it, the Holy Spirit confirms our identity. Scripture talks about the Holy Spirit as a seal upon our hearts and our lives, a guarantee of what is to come. Scripture says that we're born of the Spirit. 
that the Spirit is set as a seal of ownership over our hearts, that it's put as a, on our hearts as a guarantee, and that it reminds us who we are. And we need those reminders, don't we? Because the devil is an accuser. That's what scripture calls him. The devil is an accuser of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And if he accuses our brothers and sisters in Christ, he accuses us too. The devil is an accuser. How are we going to combat that accuser? You don't have to in your own strength. You've got the spirit to comfort you by confirming your identity. This is what Romans 8 says. For those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. You ever wonder who you are? You ever struggle with your identity? You ever wonder if you're really saved? Lean on the truth of scripture through the spirit of God. Because one of the ways he comforts us is confirming our identity. Our spirit in, in communication, in he walks alongside our spirit to confirm that we, yes, indeed, no doubt about it, guaranteed are children of God. Forget about any accusation that comes your way. So he's our comforter. He confirms our identity. Here's another way he comforts us. He produces fruit and gifts in us. He produces fruit and gifts in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are ways he comforts us. Because these things for, for love, we talk about the fruit of the Spirit is happening through us to others. Yes. But it happens first through him to us. The fruit of the, the Spirit is not going to show itself through uh, spirit-infused love, joy, peace, and power that I am not experiencing myself. He, he, he speaks that, he, he communicates that to me, to my spirit, before it overflows to everyone else. It doesn't mean I need to feel a feeling before it happens. It means I need to know that truth deep in my heart. And he communicates that truth to, to me. He allows me, the, the love of God, to wash over me. The joy, the peace in our circumstances, in our souls. He enables us to experience that first and then bring that to others. And then through the gifts, all these things we've been talking about. This, the Spirit speaking, the Spirit teaching. The Spirit leading. The Spirit confirming our identity. The Spirit producing fruit in us. This happens a, a thousand different ways through us to each other. What's the how of that? The gifts of the Spirit. We're not even going to, I don't have time. Just read in scripture, and it tells us how he speaks. He speaks sometimes through prophecy. He speaks through teaching. He speaks through apostles. It tells us how he does these things through the gifts that he gives us. And so the Holy Spirit is our comforter to confirm our identity and produce fruit and gifts in us. Here's my question for us this morning. Do you want him? Y'all weren't as quick to answer, were you? Because <laughs> you know where I'm going. Do we really, really, really want him? Why don't I experience the Spirit as comforter in a more full and dramatic way in my own life? I had to ask myself this week, is it because I'm already too comfortable? That honestly, I yeah, I could use a little more peace. <laughs> I'll, take, I'll take a little bit more, God. So I've, I've got some peace because I live in a nice home and my needs are provided for and things are going pretty well. So I've got peace. I've got my plan for tomorrow. If you could just add a little bit of peace on top of that, that that'd be great. Just top me off a little bit because I'm this full. Just top me off. That's, that's not the kind of peace that the Spirit promises. He promises peace that passes understanding. Peace in the midst of circumstances so difficult that nobody else in their right mind would have peace because they don't have the Spirit of God living in them. But that those of us with the Spirit of God would have a peace that passes understanding. Am I already too busy getting, being comfortable by providing for my own needs? 
oh man, I'm not feeling the greatest today. I really need rest. Let me just flick on the TV, get distracted by my phone, take some time off. Am I already able to make myself so comfortable that I really don't need, I really don't want the comfort of the Holy Spirit? Because he'll do this. He'll he'll give us a peace that passes understanding. He'll walk with us in ways and comfort us in ways that are beyond any human understanding. But, But who accesses those fruits? Who does the Spirit give those fruits to? It says, those who are led by the Spirit. Am I being led by the Spirit? Do I really want what the Spirit has to offer, or do I just kind of want to go my own way? Scripture tells us to walk with the Spirit. You know what it says somewhere else in Scripture? It says, how can two walk together unless they are agreed? Like, two, two can't walk together unless they're in agreement. You, you've got to be, like, if two people are going to walk together, you've you got to be walking the same way. You've got to agree to walk on the same path. You want the comfort of the Spirit? I want the comfort of the Spirit. I've got to ask myself, am I walking on the same path? To walk with the Spirit, am I walking in agreement with Him and with all He says? I, I don't know what to do the rest of the day. But God has told me some things. He's given me some things to obey. And I wonder, if, I wonder if sometimes I don't experience the Holy Spirit as comforter because I'm not willing to walk the way he says to walk. Because I'm too busy walking in ways that are finding comfort anywhere I can get it. To walk together, two must be agreed. There's a cost to that. I've got to be willing not to go my own way. That's actually, that's actually what Galatians 5 says. It says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That's great. He's going to empower me to not sin. That's incredible. I want more of that in my life. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. Oh, see, sometimes I want the Spirit of God, but I still want to do whatever I want. You too? Thanks. <laughs> I'm grateful I am not the only one in the room. The Spirit of the living God is among us to comfort us, to confirm our identities, to produce fruit and gifts in us. But we need to stop and ask ourselves, do we really want him? You know what I really want? I want a Ford Bronco. I never thought I'd say that in my life, back in the 80s. But these new Broncos, they're pretty amazing. I want a Ford Bronco. I don't have one. Do you know why? I'm not willing to pay the cost. I mean, I'm not able to pay the cost either, but <laughs> not, not willing to pay the cost. Like, that, that, that is expensive. I, I, I'm just not willing to put that many funds over there. It costs something to walk with the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit. Are we willing to pay the cost? Do we actually want him? This isn't the kind of cost like a Ford Bronco, like I pay the money and get it. Like this isn't a bartering system with the Spirit. This is my cup. If, if I want to comfort myself, my cup is already so full that if the Spirit wants to pour his water over my soul, it's already full. There's no water to fit in. I've got to empty my cup first. That costs something. Am I willing to pay the cost? Do I really, really want the Spirit in me? You know what I'm going to ask? Anybody willing to pray for this? Thanks, brother. That we would want the Spirit. Oh, <laughs> got to do. <laughs> it's good. It is. That's good to see a line. Thanks, brother. I pray a prayer every morning, and I think it may help someone here. It certainly helped me. Um, this is your day, Lord. I want to be at your disposal. I have no idea what the next 24 hours may contain. But before I begin, before I sip my first cup of coffee, and even before I get dressed, I want you to know that from this moment on, throughout this day, I'm yours. Help me to be the branch that abides in the vine, to lean on you, to draw strength from you, and to have you to fill my mind and my thoughts. Take control of my senses that I might literally be filled with your spirit. 
your presence and power and dynamic. I can't make it happen. I can't make it happen. Without you, I can accomplish nothing. And so I'm saying, Lord, fill me today with your spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. As the worship team comes out, the Spirit is our counselor, the Spirit is our comforter. Do you actually need him? Do you actually want him? See, what, what you're about to do after this service, what you're about to do is walk out of here and seek to live your life in some measure by the words that we learned from his word. What you're about to do is go out into your Monday and try to reflect Christ to the world around you. What you're about to go out to do is actually surrender some of, perhaps some of us surrender some of our schedule, some of our money, some of our time, some of our plan, and lay it down before the Lord and say, have your way. We're actually going to go right after this and try to live this out. Do you know what's essential for that? the spirit of the living God. You cannot do it without him. Do not even try, you will fail. I've done it. And so we're going to sing that he's the way maker. Do we actually need him to make a way in our lives? We are going to sing that he is a miracle worker. Do you actually need the miracle that he is prepared to work in your life right now? We're going to sing that he is a promise keeper. Do you actually want him to keep that promise to make you look more like him? We're going to sing that he is light in our darkness. Do you actually want that light in, in our darkness? Grace family, would you stand to our feet and let's sing. Let's worship the spirit of the living God together.